It's time for the Crunch Time Plays Podcast, where we talk all things sports from the collegiate level all the way up to the pros. And now, here's your host, Bennett Ganey. What's up, y'all? Liv Moose here. Hey, what's up? This is Danny Wexelman. Hey, everyone. I'm Steffi Smalls. What's up, everyone? It's Ben Lindsay. This is Andrea Carter. Hey there, it's Brooks Austin. And you are watching and listening to Crunch Time Plays. Hello, everybody. Thanks for hopping back into Crunch Time Plays today. Whether you're watching us on YouTube, listening to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, just can't thank you enough. And we are touching on college baseball today. We're always trying to bring you the best guests from around the world of sports. And we've got an awesome one today, one I'm really excited about. And that's Aaron Fitt from D1 Baseball. Aaron, what's up, brother? Not much, Bennett. How you doing? Doing doing all right. Just trying trying to dodge these storms here on a Monday afternoon. Yeah, it's that kind of that's kind of day right now, up and down the the, the the coast. It feels like, but hey, you know what? Better on Monday than on a Friday or a Saturday. You know, yeah. no, no baseball affected this time. Hey, there, there's no doubt about that. So I want to I want to start off with you by talk by touching on South Carolina. That's where I'm at, and and in the SEC series, South Carolina's had one win in game one, five wins in game two, and five games in game three. And it seems like the the problems on on the opening ga- opening game have kind of manifested itself here in the last couple of weeks against Arkansas and Ole Miss. But do you sense any kind of maybe just from a baseball mind? Is there anything you can do to to kind of change up the mojo, change up you know the rotation, change up the starting lineup, a couple of things like that? Yeah, I mean maybe there are some adjustments that they can make. I mean, I really feel like. Thomas Farr has had a good year. I mean, um, it's just hard to be a Friday night guy in the SEC, you know. It's just a real, it's a real grind. Um, but, I mean, he's, he's kept them competitive. You know, he's, he's better than the numbers show. He's, he's two and five. But, I mean, everything else is there. He's, he's striking guys out. Um, you know, he's got three, six, seven ERAs, perfectly respectable in the SEC. I mean, and I don't know that I trust either of the other guys more than I trust him. So for me, I'd, I'd probably stick with far atop the rotation and just, you know, hope some more bounces kind of go your way. And, and look, he needs to do a better job kind of minimizing that one, you know, blow up inning. Um, it seems like that's kind of been a pattern for him a little bit is, you know, he'll go out there and, and, and put up a bunch of zeros, but there's one inning where things kind of snowball on him. And, um, you know, that's on, you know, that's on him a little bit. He's got to be able to, to buckle down and, and, you know, get himself out of damage when that happens. That's what happened against Arkansas, I know. And uh, it looked like against Ole Miss, he had two of those kind of innings where they got him a little bit. But um, but he's got really good stuff. I mean, he'll probably be a top, you know, top two rounds pick. Um, you got to ride with that guy. You got to trust him. So uh, I, I'm not too concerned about the fact that he's <laughs> he just kind of been unlucky a little bit. Yeah, I mean, he really has. And, and to me, it's just for him – he just hadn't been able to get through the first inning. Like, it seems like the last three weeks he's allowed two runs in the first yeah. inning, and then with South Carolina's offense just struggling. But, I mean, SEC are going up against the, those top arms on Friday night, and it's just it's just so hard to manufacture runs whenever you're whenever you're facing those teams and and, uh, and just having that one bad inning every game. Yeah, and, you know, some guys – kind of go through that stuff i remember even you know the great pedro martinez for a while there uh even in his at his peak um that was the knock on him is if you were going to get to pedro you had to get him in the first inning before he settled in and uh that's just you know the way some guys are takes them a little bit of time to settle into an outing maybe it's just because they're too fired up or uh they just don't have their feel yet or whatever the case may be um that if that's a pattern for far then that's you know that's something he he's got to sit down and work with skylar Mead on and see if they can figure it out one of the 
One of the things that has been on my mind the last couple of days is is South South Carolina's got a got a really tough tough sledding coming up the last three weeks of the season with Mississippi State, Kentucky, and Tennessee. But right ultimately, do you think the Gamecocks are a regional host? I know they're they're fifteenth in the RPI right now, but ultimately, whenever those final nine games are done here in this league, but I want to say probably need to go six and three in those games. That'll get you to to 17 and 13 kind of in the SEC. Yeah, here's the thing that they'd run up against. Um, you know, this May 10th thing that's going to happen. They're going to announce on May 10th uh, 20 different sites. Uh, that'll be kind of their pool. And then they'll draw 16 hosts out of those 20 sites in another couple of weeks. So uh, you, you have to be in pretty good shape by next weekend. And right now, you know, you've got, you've got Vanderbilt, you've got Tennessee, you've got Arkansas, Mississippi State. Uh, now you've got Ole Miss, who just swept South Carolina. They're clearly ahead of South Carolina, the pecking order. So that's five right there. Um, and then you've got Florida, you know, who's thirteen and eight, two games better than the Gamecocks. So if South Carolina is sitting here as the seventh team uh, in the SEC pecking order this coming weekend, um, are they going to be among those twenty host candidates? I think they. I think they probably still will be, as long as they, you know, they can win their series this weekend against Mississippi State. It's a huge, huge series. If they lose two out of three, and all of a sudden you're sitting there at twelve and twelve, um, you know, on that May tenth deadline, they might not be among the top twenty teams that that even has a chance to host. But you know, we'll find out. I mean, with their RPI and um, you know some of the things that they've done this year. You know, maybe that's enough to still sneak them into that top twenty if they lose this this Mississippi State series. But that would also be three straight series losses, albeit against really good competition. And um, you know that that might get them squeezed out of that thing altogether. Who are the Who would you say the top eight national seeds ultimately are based on where we stand now and the schedules that that we've got coming up? And I've got mine here. I got Arkansas, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State. TCU, Texas, Tennessee, Notre Dame, and Arizona. Who who are a couple of those other teams that are kind of in line for those top eight national seeds? Yeah, I think you and I right now are aligned on those eight, um, and that that feels like a. At this point, it's it's a pretty obvious group. Um, you know, you've got Notre Dame atop the ACC, the clear clear top team in the ACC. As crazy as that is, you've got Arizona now first place in the pack with a number eight RPI. But those two teams, you know, they're they're easy. Arkansas is easy. TCU, Mississippi State, Vandy. I mean, all those teams. Uh, Texas is the one that maybe could find itself squeezed out of that top eight. They just lost a series to Texas Tech at home. Now they've got to go to, to TCU. Uh, if they win that series, they're golden. They're a top eight. If they lose that series, I could see them getting jumped, whether it's by Texas Tech or, you know, somebody else. I mean, there's some other teams that are kind of in that periphery. Maybe it's, um, you know, an Ole Miss gets back into it. I mean, I could see that right now, but I don't know that we're going to, we're not going to probably see five SEC, you know, teams in the top eight. And then if Arkansas and Vanderbilt, Mississippi State and Tennessee are locked in, then um, that doesn't give Ole Miss a real clear path unless somebody else stumbles. But, um, you know, I, I do feel like East Carolina, maybe they can can rebound and get back in it if they have a big weekend against Tulane. We've had East, ECU as a top eight uh, for, you know, a good chunk of the season, and then they've not been as good the last couple of weeks, and, and they've hurt their stock. But um, I think they're still alive in that discussion also. So I would keep an eye on an ECU and maybe even, you know, somebody like Louisiana Tech um, who had dipped a little bit last week. They had a bad weekend, you know, lost a couple of games to to a bad Marshall team, but then they rebounded very strongly. And, and uh, you know, if they win Conference USA in the regular season, maybe they make that jump back up there. 
one of the talking about the the Pac-12 possibly getting a, a top eight national seed. I, I think it's kind of between Arizona and Oregon. But what did it for Arizona for me was I think the when you're trying to just separate those teams, I think the non-conference RPI might come in to effect there. And I know Arizona's got a lot higher. Um, non-conference RPI than Oregon does. So that, that's kind of one over them for me in the top eight. Yeah. And, you know, they also won the head-to-head series. Granted, it, w- it was in Tucson and it was two out of three. So that's, you know, it's only kind of a slight edge there, but that does matter. And the other thing is, I mean, Arizona's f- 15 and six in the Pac-12 right now and Oregon's 11 and seven, you know, so uh, they've played fewer games, but they, they are behind. And Oregon just stubbed their toe this past weekend against Washington State. They were in pretty good shape until they lost that Washington State series. So, um, you know, we'll see how they rebound from that. One of the other things I wanted to get into you after we get done with the top eight national seeds is the the six team regional hosts, and we talked talked about they're going to release their top twenty uh, here next week, and and we got the got the teams that we mentioned as the. The teams that we mentioned up at the top as the 16 regional host, plus Oregon, East Carolina, Charlotte, Stafford, Louisville, Ole Miss, South Carolina, and Florida. I know that, that's a little, probably not as many teams as the SEC is going to get as regional hosts. I think we're probably looking at a little bit more conference diversity. Yeah, probably. I mean, I feel like, you know, we had South Carolina as, um, as a host last week, but what, but kind of with the caveat that, you know, if Ole Miss won that series, they could potentially move ahead of South Carolina. And, and in fact, they swept South Carolina. So clearly they're ahead now. Um, and the question is, has Florida also moved ahead of South Carolina? They're, they're not in the RPI. They're, you know, Florida still has some RPI issues to deal with. They're, they're 29th right now, but uh, just won a series over Vandy. They're sitting here at 13 and eight, you know, two games up on the Gamecocks. And in, in that regard, they did get swept by South Carolina. So that's, you know, a knock against them, but um, they're kind of coming on where South Carolina seems to be fading. And I know part of that's just a product of the, of the schedule that the Gamecocks have faced the last couple of weeks. But um, again, so much depends on this Mississippi state series this weekend. I really think that's, that's huge, but I mean, you're still looking at, you know, seven teams kind of fighting for, you know, five or six spots, uh, host spots in the SEC when it's all said and done. Um, you know, I think six feels pretty likely, frankly, because I just feel like the SEC is so much better than everybody else that, you know, we've had six hosts before uh, out, of, out of a conference, and, and I think that can happen again. But you're probably looking at, you know, two or three out of the Pac-12. Uh, we talked about Arizona, Oregon, and, and then Stanford is in that mix. Um, ACC is, is like, who, who wants it? You know, it's just those teams are beating each other up. You thought Louisville, despite their bad RPI, they, they might be in pretty good shape. And then they go and get swept by Clemson, who was, you know, a bubble team. And um, and now what? You know, you've got Notre Dame, and that's about the only team that you can really feel good about right now as an ACC host. I mean, Pittsburgh, you know, we had them as a host last week, but gosh, they haven't played in two weeks because of COVID. So, what, you know, how does that affect them? Um, you know, Miami has a good RPI, but they, that's not a host resume and, you know, they had another bad weekend. So, I mean, what, what do you do with the ACC? It does it wind up being just a one host league. Um, uh, as crazy as that sounds, there's a chance. Well, kind of looking at, at, I know we talked about the NCAA releasing the 20 sites next week. Ultimately, after those, those 20 sites are, are released, who who in your mind possibly is those 17 to 20 type teams and who has the best chance coming down the stretch here to make themselves into those top 16 seeds by the eve of selection Monday? 
Yeah, there are some wild card teams out there for sure. I mean, you know, Conference USA, we, we talked about Louisiana Tech. Um, you know, Southern Miss is right there. Old Dominion and Charlotte. Old Dominion didn't actually submit a bid to host. So, so they won't be one of our hosts, uh, even though they've got a pretty good hosting resume. Uh, but, you know, Charlotte, they just played eight straight games against Old Dominion um, and they split them four to four. So is that kind of status quo? I mean, Charlotte's still sitting there at 11 in the RPI. I mean, I still feel like they've got a pretty good chance. So, you know, you've got a couple of those teams, really all four of those, those Conference USA contenders. They're all in the top 20 in the RPI. They all have good league records. Um, they've battled each other. They're all through playing each other now, so they can't really stumble again against each other. Um, so that'll be interesting to see kind of the way that plays out with those four teams. I mean, it's crazy to think that Conference USA might wind up getting, you know, more host spots than the ACC. <laughs> but maybe that could happen right now. I mean, the ACC, again, part of it is I think the ACC is just mediocre. And part of it is they're playing a 36-game conference schedule. And it's such a meat grinder. They're just really pummeling each other. And, and it kind of, it's kind of bringing everybody back closer to 500. So um, who stands to benefit from that? You know, maybe, you know, Conference USA. Uh, and the, the Big 12, I mean, you've got TCU in Texas, and then Texas Tech uh, really bolstered their hosting case this past week by, by winning that series in Austin. And so they're, they're right there, too. Um, it's, uh, there's still a lot to be decided here, but um, I do feel like we're starting to get some clarity on who those top 20 teams are going to be. Are there any teams, I know you just mentioned Old Dominion as a, as a team that that has a really nice resume that could host but didn't submit a bid. Is there other teams that you know of uh, that could be deserving that also did not submit a bid? Uh, I think that, that I'm aware of that would be in the, as a serious hosting candidate that, that didn't submit a bid. Um, I mean, there was something like 46 teams that I believe that, that submitted bids. So um, I feel like anybody else who's close to the conversation, uh, they're in the mix for it. One of the, one of the things that, that, I had uh, Ben Metzoff from Barstool Sports a couple weeks ago. I know they're really trying to to push college baseball. He, we're talking about Louisiana Tech, and they're they're having a new stadium. I know they submitted a bid uh, to host. Does the do you think the NCAA takes any of that into account with the facilities and, and having a new stadium? I know Florida's got a new stadium as well. Yeah, I, I certainly do. The NCAA likes to showcase um, those new venues, you know, that, to, to show off, um, you know, to, to reward programs that have invested in, in the sport. Um, and so if, you know, you've got two teams that are relatively equal, uh, you, you, you probably could expect the NCAA to give the nod to the team that you know, just built a brand new stadium. So, yeah, I definitely think that's something that helps Louisiana Tech. And there's a narrative there, too, you know. I mean, had their ballpark destroyed by a tornado uh, and then rebuilt, you know, that's uh, – that's a cool story. They've got a great fan base there. Um, and if you're comparing them with Southern Miss, who's in that same region, I mean, it's another great fan base. But, um, you know, Louisiana Tech did win five out of eight. You know, it's, it's a slight edge on the season series, but five out of eight against Southern Miss, it's still an edge. So, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with the, the regular season standings. But I do, I do feel like that feels like a pretty smart bet. Louisiana Tech and you know Florida. I mean, again, brand new ballpark um, coming on strong. What about the RPI? You know, we'll we'll see what happens with that. But I have a feeling they're going to be in the top twenty host candidates based on based on their their SEC record, their their quality series wins, and oh yeah, that new ballpark that doesn't hurt them. <laughs> no, it sure doesn't. And the team, some of the teams that that may not be regional hosts, just outside of that that top sixteen, top twenty. Who are some of those teams, maybe a couple, 
I know Texas Tech didn't make my regional host, but they're certainly a team that I'd watch out for in the NCAA tournament. Just a couple of those teams that you think maybe have a chance to make a no- make some noise, win a regional, win a super, maybe get to Omaha. You know, there's not that many teams that I'm really that I'm really that excited about this year in college baseball. I feel like it's we were all expecting it to be some great banner year for college baseball, and I think it's been pretty disappointing, to be honest with you. I think it's been pretty mediocre. Uh, everywhere I go, I'm like, where's the pitching? Why doesn't anybody have pitching? I mean, and that's honestly, that's one reason why I still like South Carolina's chances in the postseason because I, I like their pitching better than most teams I've seen. Um, you know, I mean, Vanderbilt, if, if, if Rocker and Lighter are going good, they're going to be tough to beat. But, you know, Lighter's been human in the last couple of weeks and, and um, they're not quite as formidable as they were a month ago. You know, and you've got Mississippi State. I feel like I think I like their pitching probably the best of anybody. Um, Ole Miss, now that Hoagland is healthy again, still feel pretty good about that, but their bullpen has struggled. I mean, it just feels like there's a lack of, of really reliable pitching across the country. And, and it's, it's weird. I really, um, you know, even teams like UCLA and Florida that had all kinds of big names coming into the year on their pitching staffs, guys that did have some track record, they've scuffled some of the guys that they were counting on, you know, veteran guys um, haven't been very good and it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And so I, I can't sit here and say, Oh, I'm so excited about this team. That's outside the top 16. Cause honestly, I'm only excited about a handful of teams. I mean, the teams at the top, um, I think Mississippi state in the way they're built, I think obviously Arkansas with what they've accomplished. TCU looks like a real contender to me. Um, you know, and then everybody else, it seems like there's just warts. Everybody's got warts. I really, I really love South Carolina's, whole pitching staff is one of the reasons if they can get the offense going a little bit, Wes Clark's been in a little bit of a scuffle lately for them. Offense is it's kind of going through a role right now, but they definitely have a chance to, to be very good. But when you look at a guy like Bosnia, Julian Bosnia, he's been a starter before for Carolina, Andrew Peters, and then the X factor, Brett Carey. I mean, he, you know, he's been the closer for South Carolina all year, but he he could easily slide into a starting role if you ended up maybe in the loser's bracket of a regional trying to, trying to get that, that extra game against whoever beat you in on that second day. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. And right now I love the way those pieces fit together. You know, I think Bosnick stuff clearly plays up in that bullpen role. I mean, as does carries as, as do most pitchers. Uh, But I also, you know, I just, I feel like, I think Bosnick fits really well in in that in that capacity, and um, you know, and I like Will Sanders as a starter. I mean, how can you not? You know, he's really he's really got really good stuff and and a pretty advanced feel for pitching for for a true freshman. So, um, and and Brandon Jordan, man, I mean, just look at all the strikeouts. That guy can really miss bats. Um, I, again, we're talking about three legitimate starters, you know, and, and probably four, five, six you know, bullpen guys that you can feel pretty darn good about. Daniel Lloyd's got big stuff. I mean, there's, there's just a lot of guys, um, you know, that, uh, that could beat you with, with, you know, legitimate out pitches with power stuff. So yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I think, you know, the more I go around the country, the more I look for those teams that actually have complete pitching staffs, um, you know, that stands out. And, and actually I just saw Virginia this weekend and it's a team that had really, really struggled in the first half, you know, preseason top 15 team. Um, and, you know, they were four and 12 in the ACC a month ago. And since then they've won, I think four of their last five series or five of the last six, something like that. And, and they're, they're kind of clawing their way back in. And you look at the way their pitching staff is built. It's kind of similar to the way South Carolina's is built. And, you know, they've got like, 
four, five, six guys in the bullpen uh, that, that I think they can trust. And they've got three starters. I think they can really trust the first two and then a third guy who's capable. So um, it's, it's like if they can just get to the postseason, they could make a run. I just think there aren't a lot of teams that have that kind of pitching. Yeah, man, I definitely agree with that. We're here with Aaron Fitt from D1 Baseball. Just does an outstanding job covering the sport. And Aaron, I know we, we've talked about we talked about the top of the game. We talked about the top eight national seeds, the regional host. Kind of moved to the bubble with you as the last couple of things I got for you in our last, our final couple of minutes. LSU, they're 7-14 in the SEC right now, but they have a very favorable schedule coming in. Are they a team that could end up making the field? And if not, is the do you think that based on everything that you know? Because to me, I think if they don't make the field, I think this could be Paul Maneri's last year in Baton Rouge. Well, I think it just comes down to how long Paul Maneri wants to wants to coach. You know, I mean, I don't think there's a whole lot more left in the tank there, frankly. Um, as far as you know, that, that job is a grind. It really, really wears you down, and I don't know how much he's enjoying it anymore. You know, I think he's earned the right to go out on his own terms whenever that is. Um, and, and we'll find out, but yeah, they're not in very good shape. <laughs> you know, they're, they're seven and 14 in the league. Um, now the schedule does open up as, as you kind of hinted at here, we've got Auburn on the road home against Alabama, who's been up and down and then at Texas A&M, I mean, you got, you know, some of the bottom teams of the league. So maybe, you know, maybe if they can, if they win all three of those series, let's say um, to get to 13 and 17, you know, it's, it's, it's bubbly, but we've seen teams get in at 13 and 17 and we've seen teams like Kentucky a couple years ago, get, get left out at 13 and 17. It kind of depends at that point, you know, how you do in Hoover. Um, so they're not dead yet, but uh, it feels like every time you think they're going to make a move, they, they, they blow a game like they did in the, in the finale against Ole Miss last week um, where they were up big and they wound up losing 10 to nine. It's like, man, that's just a killer. Like, even though they won the series, you walk away feeling like it's, it's a series loss because they just blew it. So um, they, they've had a few opportunities like that. The game against South Carolina, you know, the first game of the doubleheader where they were up in the ninth and they, and they couldn't hold the lead. Uh, they've had several of those this year that have just, just killed them. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And, and I'm with you. Palmineers definitely earned the right to, to finish however, however he wants to. And, and when I was thinking about that, I was thinking about them with the schedule, maybe finishing six and three, seven and two, getting to that 13 and 17, 14 and 16 mark in the SEC. If they win a couple of games in Hoover, which they're certainly notorious for, they've yeah. seems like they, they go to the, they made the weekend every year in Hoover. They have a great chance, but kind of sticking with the other teams in the SEC that may be on the bubble, got Kentucky, Georgia and Alabama. Now, probably two of those teams probably make the field for me. It's Georgia and Alabama, but out of those three who are, who are those that ultimately end up making the field? You know, I don't know if it's two or if it's just one or if it's none of them right now. I just like all these teams uh, are just churning. And, you know, a week ago you thought, okay, this Kentucky-Alabama series is really big. Uh, we thought Alabama had momentum. Uh, we th- we kind of liked their chances. And then, you know, Kentucky takes two out of three against them. But then you look at Kentucky's remaining schedule, and it's like, okay, they had to go to Tennessee. They lost two out of three there. Now they've got Florida, then South Carolina, and then at Vanderbilt. So they're sitting here at 10 and 11, and I really don't like their chances in those last four weekends. So I'm, I'm crossing Kentucky off for that reason. Um, Georgia, we felt like they were in comfortably. Last week, they had had some momentum. They had won, what, three straight series, uh, including one at Vandy, which was pretty loud. Then they go and they lose two out of three to Auburn at home, and it's like, 
boy, that's a killer, you know? And again, it's one of those losses was in 14 innings, but it's still a loss. Uh, if that game goes the other way, they, they've already won the series because they, they won the first game and instead they lose it. And it seems like a real blow because now they got to go to Arkansas, to Florida and then versus Ole Miss. I mean, that's a tough assignment. So actually don't love their chances. So, you know, can Alabama do it is, is for me, like that's the one, you know, we just don't know how healthy they're going to be in the mound. They, they did take care of business against Missouri this weekend. They, they swept that series, but and you got Vanderbilt on the road. LSU must win series on the road the following weekend. And then you got home against Mississippi state. So again, not an easy road. You've got two very difficult series and then LSU, but LSU is going to be desperate and it's going to be in Baton Rouge. So, I mean, it's entirely possible that all three of those teams wind up getting, getting left out when it's all said and done, but it feels like one of them will probably emerge, but I'm not betting on more than that. The last team I got for you is also here in the Palmetto state as, as, as we wrap things up, Clemson, they don't, they're not the best in the RPI. They're, they're 51st in the RPI right now, but they did just sweep Louisville this past weekend. Now they had a, a, some, a little stretch where they lost seven or eight in a row, but do they ultimately end up making the field with the, with the schedule that they have left? Well, I'll say first of all that when it comes to the RPI and the ACC this year, um, you, can, you should almost throw it out. Because you just, you know, they're playing a 36-game conference schedule and only 50 games overall. And so the RPI it just requires a lot more um, cross-pollination to have any real value. I mean, if you're just playing each other, uh, it doesn't do you a lot of good as a tool to compare the ACC with other teams. And so, you know, for me, I feel like because it's a weird year because of this COVID stuff and the schedules are all screwed up, I feel like if you're an ACC team and you finish 500 or better, in a 36 game conference grind, then you've done enough. Now we'll find out if the committee sees it the same way. Uh, but you know, for me, that's what I've been, what I've been saying is if you can get that 500 mark in the ACC, you should get in. And right now they're sitting there 15 and 12 in the league after, after that big, big sweep of Louisville. Uh, now they've got to go to Georgia tech. Who's been stumbling. You've got to go to Florida state who has been pretty good lately. And then you got Duke at home and Duke has had a very disappointing year. So uh, I like their chances, you know, to, if they can win, especially four out of those last six, then I think they're, um, or, or rather four out of those last nine, I should say, uh, to get them to, to 19 and 17 in the league. I think they're golden. Um, but you know, even if they, they go three and six and they lose all three of those series, they, they have a chance. Although in that case, I wouldn't, I wouldn't love their chances because momentum is, is carrying them in the wrong direction. And, and we know the committee looks at how you finish. So uh, right now, I mean, you know, I think they're back in, we had them out. They had played their way out um, with that losing streak in the middle of April. And then they, they rescued their season, you know, back-to-back sweeps against Wake Forest and Louisville. So yeah, that's a team that right now is uh, seems like they're figuring it out. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I thought I was thinking if they could finish in the in the top, or if they could finish above five hundred in the ACC. Uh, you know, we don't don't we don't ever know what the committee's going to do. They they view the they view things a lot different than we do for for, for whatever reason. But but uh, but we'll we'll see what happens there. Yeah, it should be should be very interesting. Like I said, I mean, this will be an interesting test case because again, you've got some leagues like the Big Ten uh, and the MAC that uh, you know haven't played any non-conference games zero and so in that case again the rpi is completely worthless and you got leagues like the acc that have played heavily 
conference only game uh, schedules, but they've played a few, you know, non-conference games, just enough to complicate things. RPI in those cases means less, but so maybe has some value. And then you've got everybody else. And it's like, you know, I guess the RPI is business as usual if you're in the SEC or, or the Pac-12 or the Big 12, but uh, we're just, you know, we're going to find out. And, and the committee has its, its work cut out for it this year. There's no question about it. Yeah, it's definitely probably about, I mean, it's really about the same as the, as the basketball selection committee had so many, so many conferences playing in different schedules, playing different games and all that. So it'll really be interesting to see what the committee does. But Baron, thank you so much, brother. You got to run. Tell everybody where they can find you on social media and how they can get access to D1 baseball. And I just I really appreciate you taking some time today. Yeah, you got it. You can check us out uh, at D1 Baseball on Twitter. I'm at Aaron Fit, A-A-R-O-N-F-I-T-T. Of course, check us out at D1Baseball.com. I uh, got everything you need to, to follow the college season, you know, and, and, and the postseason, the summer, the fall, preseason. I mean, all year round, we got you covered, D1 Baseball. Well, let's, let's do it again, Aaron, if we get into postseason play and have to get you back on again for that. Sounds good, Ben. I enjoyed uh, talking with you today. There's no doubt about it. And thanks to Aaron for coming on today. And thank you for watching and listening to Crunch Time Plays today. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. It's been another edition of Crunch Time Plays. God bless everybody. 